After the Virus, a Survivalist's Journal. Season 1, Episode 6. If you're still with me after Episode 5, you're a diehard fan. Will's violent response to the attack on Hope may have seemed out of character until you consider the trauma he lives with from Afghanistan and the recent loss of his family. Hope has become his surrogate family, and he'll do whatever it takes to assure her safety. In this episode, Will teaches Hope everything he can, not only about hunting and surviving, but about self-defense. But when the attacker is no bigger than the tip of your finger, it's not skill that can save you, only luck. May 16th. Hope and I spent the day foraging along the creek and fishing. No copters. May 19th. Three more days of gathering, fishing, trapping, and teaching Hope more wood lore. Hope and I talked a long time about what had happened and why. She asked me what I thought was going to happen to us. I told her we are going to take care of each other and live here in the wilderness for as long as we needed to until maybe the world heals. May 20th. Shot a deer this morning. Instead of trying to stalk them, I sat on top of a tall boulder directly above a well-worn animal trail where I had seen deer on a number of occasions. Hope was back at the cave working on weaving a basket. After about two hours, a group of three does started up the trail towards me. Two were adults, possibly pregnant, as would be expected this time of year, The third and last was a yearling doe, two-thirds the size of the others. From 20 feet above them, I allowed them to walk right under and past me. As they began to move away from me, I aimed right behind the yearling's front shoulder and slightly off the center of its spine. The arrow sliced through the ribs, piercing lungs and heart. The doe jumped, ran 15 yards, lay down, and died. I raced back to the nearby cave to get Hope, who was as excited as I was. She watched intently as I showed her how to field dress the deer, and she readily bagged the heart and liver from the gut pile. I carried the carcass the short distance to the cave and hung it from a horizontal limb just 40 feet from the entrance. After demonstrating how to separate skin from meat, I let Hope skin one side of the deer while I did the other. She had watched her father skin lambs the same way on the farm. I salted the hide and rolled it up for later tanning. We split the carcass into four quarters, plus back straps and tenderloins. Using the salt I had brought, I coated the meat, then wrapped each chunk in a cotton sheet into pieces and then hung them from a high limb. We will add salt to the meat a couple of times in the coming days, then smoke it all for long-term storage. Hope digs Indian potatoes, and we fry the liver with the diced corms for supper. We will slice the heart and fry it tomorrow. After eating, I jerk the rib and neck meat and start a fire. With no sign of other humans in days, we will risk the smoke to preserve our food. Tired and full, we doze, but wake throughout the night to keep the fire smoldering. May 21st. This morning I felled a young ponderosa pine, cut a 10-foot length and peeled off the bark, leaving a clean, smooth surface. Propping the log in the low crotch of a tree, I laid the deer hide, hair side down, 
on the log and began the tedious process of removing fat from the inner hide. Hope helped me pick away the chunks. Once we were satisfied, we took the hide to the creek and washed it. We decided to tan it with the hair on so we could use it for a poncho in cold weather. Preparing a tanning solution from the deer's brain, part of the liver, and more salt mixed with water in a large hole I dug, we immersed the hide. We will stir and manipulate the hide in the solution over the next week. The days are lengthening and growing warmer. The intense work of the last 24 hours has tired us out, and we head to the creek to nap and dangle our feet in the cool water. This evening we cooked and ate the deer heart. Delicious. May 22nd. A bear stopped by the cave last night to investigate the smell of the meat, but ran off when he realized we were sleeping next to it. This morning we unwrapped the deer quarters and added salt and rewrapped them, finished smoking the jerk meat, and stirred the hide. I've decided to try to take a little more time each day to teach Hope more outdoor and other skills. Today, after the venison chores, we worked on the skills I think are the most important given our situation. Self-defense. With Hope's relatively small size, we focus on just a few moves designed to debilitate an attacker. Eye gouge, groin kick, heel palm strike, and elbow strike. She is very coordinated and fast as lightning. Spent all afternoon by the creek again. A hot day. May 23rd. Salted and stirred. Reviewed edible and medicinal plant ID. Practice gun use and self-defense. Warm. May 24th. Resalted quarters. Went downstream until we found a good patch of cattails. Stripped many leaves, then sat on a rock above the creek and practiced weaving baskets. Hope is much more artistic than me and her baskets are much nicer. We take the finished baskets and go foraging, filling them with many ripe Sierra gooseberries. Tonight, I started smoking the salted quarters. We cut off two large pieces and roasted them on the fire. Terrific. May 25th. Today we began working the hide, first washing it thoroughly of the tanning solution. Then, each of us taking an end, we twisted the hide one way and then the other to wring all of the moisture from the hide and hair. Once the hide was as dry as we could get it, I had Hope sew up the hole where the arrow had entered behind the shoulder using fishing line. Finally, we cut small holes all along the perimeter of the hide and ran cords through them which we attached to saplings on either side and a limb above, to stretch out the hide. We will leave it in this stretch position until it's ready for us to soften. The afternoon is warm, so we wade the creek catching crawdads, which we collect in our cattail baskets. We boiled them this evening for a dinner of freshwater lobster dipped in gooseberry sauce. May 26th. Today it must be in the high 90s, and we decide to swim to clean up. We've kept our modesty until now, but the heat and the inviting water make us peel down to our underwear and dive into the deep pool, where we scrub ourselves and our clothing with soap root. The sight of Hope's young body does not arouse me, but her feminine form does make me think of my own beautiful young daughter and my wife, and whether I'll ever experience the companionship of a mature adult woman again in this lifetime. As we lay on the rocks, drying in the sun, we talk about the things we miss, Family, friends, socializing. Hope is particularly interested in learning about my daughter, and she talks about her brothers and sisters. We both wonder what, if anything, there will be to go back to. May 27th. 
Our mostly meat diet has gotten me lean and taut, always hungry but never starving. We supplement our meat all day long. Wherever we go, we are constantly picking things to eat along the way. For weeks now, we've been digging up and eating the corms of blue dick, ethereal spear, round-toothed ukau, camus, and wild onions. Anytime we're near the creek, we chew on the tender lower stalks of cattails. Although at this elevation, we're almost above the range of the bay trees, the few that we find have delicious nuts that we collect to roast and eat. I try to save the best, most nourishing parts for Hope, as she was thin to begin with. Today, we ate lots of venison, and because it was hot, spent a lot of time collecting and eating Indian rhubarb, which grows on rocks in the middle of the creek. May 28th. Today, we saw a thin plume of smoke on a ridge about three miles distant, on the other side of the creek. We'll keep an eye on it and possibly investigate. Practice survival skills with Hope. May 29th. No smoke today, but heard what sounded like a dog baying. Hot and sunny. May 30th. Cooled down nicely today. Felt good after many days of unseasonable heat. Distant smoke seen again. Tomorrow we will investigate. More animals out today. Hope catches a black-tailed jackrabbit in a twitch-up trap she made herself. We stew it for dinner for a nice alternative to venison. May 31st. Leave early, headed for distant smoke, although none seen this morning. Cross the creek and hike for hours. Many small side canyons with dense vegetation and false ridges. Hard to determine where the smoke came from. After lunch, we decided to head back, taking a different route, and after 15 minutes, we could hear the sound of a handsaw. Approaching quietly, we could see an open area next to a small, flowing creek. A man was sawing boards while a woman worked nearby in a half-built cabin. They looked to be in their late 20s or early 30s. Clean and, most importantly, healthy. We sat and watched them for an hour, this being the first time either of us had seen a normal human doing normal things in a few weeks. The two worked silently except for the sound of the saw. Clearly, they were being cautious, even this far from any town. Hope and I were mesmerized, like watching a movie. Eventually, I whispered to Hope that we should leave them in peace. We departed quietly, each of us alone with our own thoughts for the walk back to camp. The encounter stirred many feelings in me. My wife and I had always talked about building a cabin ourselves. I was envious of this couple. I also wondered if we should make contact with them, form an alliance. But for now, Hope and I are doing just fine on our own. How many others are hiding out in the wilderness, refugees from the virus? June 1st. Cool again. Spent the morning working with Hope on how to build a fire with a bow drill. On her seventh try, with knuckles bleeding, she successfully created an ember and carefully transferring it into a nest of tinder dry moss, blew the fire to life in her hand. <laughs> to celebrate this achievement, I made her a delicious venison stew. June 2nd. Scary day today, as today Hope complained of a bump on her head which turned out to be a tick that appeared to have been attached for days under her tightly braided hair. Grabbing the tick close to her skin, I was able to extract it without leaving any part of it inside of her. I then had the satisfaction of popping it between my thumb and finger, only to be spattered with Hope's blood from inside of it. I'm no tick expert, but I don't think it's a deer tick, 
the type responsible for Lyme's disease. More worrisome is that there had been numerous reports suggesting that the virus had mutated so that it could be spread by insect bites, including ticks. Without scaring her, I vowed to myself to keep my eye on her in the coming days to watch for any symptoms. June 3rd. Cool in the morning, warming by afternoon. All is well. Rattlesnake crossed our path today. Hope killed it, and we had it for dinner. June 4th. Hope was slow to rise this morning, complaining of sore joints. Her forehead seemed hot. She was not hungry. I made her drink lots of water. What would I do if I were to lose her? Before I found her, I thought I could do this alone. But ever since that day, I've had something to live for. Something besides myself. One thing I won't do, I won't distance myself. I'll be there for her, whatever she needs. If I get sick too, so be it. As my wife had said to me, it's better if we all die. Now I understand. I don't want to be alone again. June 5th. Hope is worse today. She vomits three times, between chills and fever. I keep a cool towel on her head when she's hot and wrap her in my coat when she's chilled. I sit up with her long into the night, taking care of her. June 6th. Hope is still sick. She's sleeping most of the time, and when she awakens, she's disoriented. Now I may be coming down with something. Nothing much, just aching joints, but enough to have me concerned. If it turns out that we have the mutated Ebola virus, we're most certainly going to die. Preparing for the possibility that we will both be ill-equipped to provide for ourselves in the coming days, I put many gallons of water and food within arm's reach of our sleeping bags. By day's end, I'm completely exhausted, sore, and hot. That's the end of Episode 6. Listen for new episodes each Friday. And thank you for listening.